You are listening to the Let Them Testify podcast with your girl, Layla. So what are you waiting for? Let's testify. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so stoked that you guys are here with us again today. Thank you so much for joining. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a regular, thanks for coming back. Today's episode, I got to chat to a really good friend of mine, Jess Metz. She is a chaplain. She is um, a woman of God. She has done so many great things with her life and I'm just so excited for you guys to hear her story of just how she lets God lead her um, in wherever she goes. Her story is epic and I'm just so excited to hear it, for you to hear it. So let's go. Hey Jess, welcome to the podcast. Hello, good to have be here. Have you here? No, I'm happy here. <laughs> you're, you'll be here. I'm going to be here. <laughs> Um, so today we, uh, I just want to ask you a bit about like your life and how you've seen God like guide through, lead you through it. What are words today? Um, so I guess we just start with like where you grew up, background, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, a bit of here and there and everywhere. Born in New Zealand, but only was there for for six months. So, and my parents are Australian, so I, I count myself as an Australian. Lived two years in Papua New Guinea. Um, as like a you know, infant, came to Australia when I was two and a half. Lived in Sydney for like five years. Don't remember too much about that. But then moved up to the Central Coast, and that's where I did the, you know, the next fifteen years of my life before college. So yeah, cool, Pretty fun, cool. Yeah. What were you? What were your parents doing in Papua New Guinea? Dad worked for the church, so he's an accountant. So he was working up there with the conference, I think. <laughs> pretty sure <laughs> I was too <laughs> yeah it's fair that you don't really remember that um okay so you say that you spent most of your life in like Central Coast Central Coast yeah that's yeah, yeah. the one um what was that like for you growing up there um it was it's a po really positive place to grow up um it's a bit busier now but it's basically like Adelaide is now was what it was like when I was growing up. So it was nice, slow-paced, bit of a cruisy lifestyle. People loved the beach, well, love the beach. It's, it's close, lots of surfers, lots of mountain biking and mountain fun things to do. Um, yeah, people are really nice, really chill. So, yeah, it's a really nice place to grow up. Cool, cool. So you said that your dad worked for the church, so I'm assuming you guys grew up Christian. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? Um, I guess... It was normal, um, like, yeah, we didn't have experiences coming in and out of the church. Um, Mum, also Seventh-day Adventist, dad, Seventh-day Adventist, born into Seventh-day Adventist time, um, took us to church. I think they, we had to be super ill if we were to miss a, a week of church. Like, you had to be dying. Um, <laughs> like, you would go to church every week. Uh Which is it's just good. It's, a, it's good to instill a habit of, even if you don't feel like it, it's still a good thing to do and you can still get blessings from going to church um, even when you when you when the feeling side of you is it's not in that same place yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my my family was very similar like yeah you had to be pretty pretty darn sick to not be a church <laughs> um so what was you what was your home life like like was it like a happy place to be um yeah. what were like your challenges and stuff around that uh, 
so yeah, I was had a very very happy childhood. Um, I thought everything was amazing, going great. Uh, when I was about eight, though, my parents separated, and that was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So things weren't so great. <laughs> uh, didn't yeah, we didn't know, didn't see um, any cracks under the surface, and that's I suppose it's a shock, but it's also nice to not have parents that yell at each other yeah. and abuse each other. Yeah, absolutely. So, while it's a it's a train to the side of your body, it's also it's also I feel a bit blessed to have had that experience so yeah dad mum separated when I was eight um would spend weekend every two out of three weekends with dad and stay over Tuesday nights and uh, well every second Tuesday night and the other Thursday night on the other week um was we'd go out for dinner with him so it was we had a lot of contact with dad uh he was a very involved parent um and when I got a bit older, when my brother started driving, we then went to 50-50. So, yeah, my parents both loved us and put a lot of effort and energy into it. And as a result, I have a strong relationship with both parents. That's that's really awesome to see um, here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that experience must have been, like, really challenging for you, especially as a kid, like, I know watching my son go through stuff like that, like, I know that it affects him a lot. How did you see God come through for you in those situations? Did you see God through, come through for you in those situations? Um, my dad's first separation divorce to my mum, I I don't know, I feel like I may have been a bit too young. I kind of just plodded along and did the things. Yeah. Um, went to church. Now I had two different churches to go to and two different sets of friends. I did favour one church over the other one because I had stronger relationships. Um, it really wasn't until Dad's second separation that uh, I felt the need to depend on him a lot more. He was married to a lady for... Four months before they separated. Um, it was a pretty abusive relationship. Um, and I remember, I think I was 15 at the time. Um, one Friday afternoon, he picked us up from school and then was like, We're not going home. We're going to go stay at Bado Bay in a bungalow and we're just going to have a good good weekend, good time. I'm, I'm separating from my wife. It's, things aren't great at all. It shared a little bit of what was going on and the kind of um, restrictions and limitations she was putting on him. Um, and he, yeah, was looking out for us first. So we went to the shops. Dad's like, just buy what you want. And I was like, oh, sick, sweet. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> Lollies, chocolate, <laughs> crumpets. <laughs> crumpets are good. Well, actually, it may have been part of pancakes at that time. But, um, yeah, we, we just... Dad was trying to, you know, smooth it over, make it a good experience. And I remember... Walking down to the beach, I think I had my iPod with me and um, Sanctus Reels, I'm not alright. I'm not alright. Apologies to your listeners for listening to me. <laughs> I had that on repeat uh, for I don't know how long I was sitting there. I was just sitting on the beach with this storm clouds over. Just It was, it was trying to rain, it was spitting on me. And I was just like, God, why is this happening again? Like, why why are relationships not forever? Like, yeah. why yeah. is this? It's four months. Like, what could go wrong in four months? Yeah. As enough, like, teens, you don't see everything, yeah. especially when you don't live with, with the parent. But I had an incredible peace that came from that conversation with God. And it's like, it's going to be okay. Like, it's, it's for good. It's for the best. 
and uh, yeah, the sense of peace when I got up and went inside. Um, yeah, it's, I'm not alright, but it's yeah, broken, yeah, but broken inside, which is the lyrics that I was listening to. But it's it is okay. God's there. Life goes on. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. From that, like, when for you did you? fully commit your life to God because I know like just hearing bits and pieces about your life like while you've been here in Adelaide and like just seeing the way that you function you are very much there committed to not moving unless God tells you to so what was that journey like like where did that start did that start at that place on the beach or was it um I think it probably started a little bit later like so like I'd like to believe or to think that I had a good relationship with God before I turned 17 but I think it was more of an up and down kind of thing. Like sometimes I'd be closer to God than others. Um, but I realised when I was 17 that I was really a just a seventh day Adventist. Like I really did God and did church on the seventh day. Yeah. And the rest of the week I was kind of doing my own thing. Um, I didn't really have a passion for doing devotions or sharing my faith. I mean, I liked the idea of doing it, but it wasn't necessarily a major priority. But when I was 17, um, I had a friend who read the book Rachel's Tears um, about Rachel Scott. Um, she passed away in the Columbine Massacre um, 1999. And she lent me the book and I read the book and I was really challenged by her faith and how she lived her faith out. And she was, her funeral was packed. It was like televised. Um, and people's life was being impacted by hers even after she'd passed away. And it really challenged me to think, well, I don't really take my faith that seriously like I'd like to I, I'm proud of being a Christian but what am I I'm actually sharing Jesus like am I actually making an impact and it was from really that point on that I started reading my Bible like every day more regularly underlining highlighting I started a Bible study group with the other year 11s that were interested in, in coming along I reached out to uh, a, a guy on the central coast that was running small groups and I asked him to come in and teach me how to, how to do, run small groups, take Bible studies. Um, then I went to my principal and asked if we could have some Bibles for the, for the Bible study group that was happening at lunchtimes. Um, that's where, yeah, from that, the catalyst was the book and that, that challenging, like, what am I doing about my faith that, yeah, kind of took off a little bit. Yeah, that's really cool. Just especially like with the juxtaposition of like what you do now, like you're a chaplain. So that's pretty much your life revolves around what you put into practice when you were 17. Did you realise at that, at that time that that's where your life was going to go? No, I was going into teaching, primary teaching. Actually, no, when I graduated high school, I wanted to be a high school modern history and woodwork teacher. Then I worked in the primary school as an assistant chaplain and I wanted to be a primary teacher after working there. But I went to, to college to be a primary teacher, but it wasn't until I had an interaction with a lecturer who said you know, why don't you take some chaplaincy units? Like, I think that's really cool. And I was like, oh, I really want to be a primary teacher. Why not? Oh, yeah. And I kind of overloaded a little bit for the first two years um, to try and do my chaplaincy. But it wasn't until I was doing a unit called clinical pastoral education that I really, like, ignited my passion for chaplaincy, even though I'd been doing Bible <laughs> studies when I was 17. I worked as an assistant chaplain for two years, but not consecutively. And it wasn't until then that I was like, actually, yeah, this is where I would, I'd like to go. I find that so like interesting and crazy how you can be doing the thing that God's called you to do without realising that you're doing the thing that God's called you to do. Yeah. Like, our minds can be so set on like, oh yeah, I want to do this, but in reality, we're already 
like he's already using us, us and training us yeah. And, yeah. yeah yeah like those experiences that you had like in high school and like in those assistant chaplaincy roles you would have needed them later on in life but you wouldn't have realized that at the time and I just think that's really cool that God can like he uses everything that we do mm. even if we don't realize it mm. yeah. um so I guess what was you say that you were talking to like you spoke to a lecturer about it mm-hmm. was like did you was that process like that did you pray over it did you like think about it a lot or were you just like yeah why not um yeah I probably didn't think and pray over it as much as I probably could have or should have I thought it would be a nice um what is what's the, the term like is it arrow in the sheath or bow in the <laughs> something to add to my yeah. my toolbox of things yeah. that I could do to help me minister to kids better but if I've got some chaplaincy skills I can talk to them and I can encourage them on their spiritual faith but yeah I didn't really pray over it that wasn't where I thought that God was taking me because I had a, such a burning passion and desire to be a teacher yeah I like I find that really interesting too because there's a lot of people that I've spoken to and like myself included that have had a burning passion to teach mm. but ended up in ministry mm. um and when you think about it like teaching and ministry ministry you're still you're still teaching you're just not teaching like English and maths and stuff you're teaching inside a classroom it's, yeah, yeah. yeah you're not inside a classroom and like your scope is broader mm. um did you did you find that as well yeah yeah and the the skills that you you learn as a teacher are just so translatable to, to so many different scenarios and I feel like I was a bit immature I probably still am quite immature <laughs> yeah that's a definite um but having that that four well five years at college and then doing like being structured in a classroom I think that did great things for my ministry being able to step into a school but also like being having a coming from a primary teaching degree background not that I, I only did a year of casual teaching so it's not like I'm <laughs> well entrenched in teaching ways um that it gives you an appreciation for what the teachers are going through and what they're doing yeah. and the reports oh, I understand that curriculum oh yes that's right yeah and like all of the things you need to do to get accredited and all that sort of thing so yeah yeah it's yep. multifaceted yeah, yeah, so that would have given you, like, amazing tools when you're working with, like, the staff at a school mm. because you can actually relate to them on a level that someone who hadn't, you know, been down the path that you had been down would be able to relate to them on. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I know so many people when they, who have never been in the teaching field before, they they just don't know. Like, they have no idea how much, like, there is done behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so, I guess from... So you say you did, like, casual teaching for a year. Were you finishing off your chaplaincy at the same time? Chaplaincy and primary degree and casual taught. It was kind of like a tying up all those loose ends, those last couple of units. Oh, so I wasn't okay. studying full-time that last year. Okay. I was able to pick up a good amount of casual days. Okay, so in that time, you met your husband. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Like, what what was it? Because I know, I've heard this story before, before, for the listener, like, how did God lead you into that situation? Um, it starts a few years earlier, when I was 16. Um, as all, whether we like to admit it or we're not young people, we just want to be in a relationship. We want someone to love us. 
Um, and I guess when I was 16, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I really, you know, I want a boyfriend. I want someone I can love and that can love me. And I had this impression on my heart, wait until you're 20, like 20. 20, is, or actually it was not even wait until you're 20. Just that the number 20 came into my heart. And I was like, that's so far away. <laughs> that's four or five years away. <laughs> and, I, and I kind of put it in the back of my head for so many years. Um, uh, went about my ways, was interested in other people, pursued other people, um, didn't have, actually didn't happen to get into any relationships with other people, which is... I, I think is a blessing. Um, I'm, I'm glad that yeah I haven't had to break hearts or have my own heart broken. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a hard thing to cope with. Um, but yeah, when I got to college, I was 19 when I went to college, so had that gap year. Um, I met Luke at College Church when I was on the 30th of May. My birthday's on the 28th, so I, I was 20 <laughs> and two days, and I met Luke. No, no, there were no sparks that flew or um, or anything like that. But, yeah, like I knew. Actually, it wasn't until a couple of months later that I, w- I was looking back and I was like, yeah, God pulled out on my heart that we, we I was going to, um, you know, get into a relationship when I was 20. It's, for some people, I reckon this probably sounds like so strange and so like, oh, yeah, sure you did. <laughs> sure you did. Um, yeah, we looked back and we, I was like, so when did we actually meet? Um, so it wasn't until hindsight until I figured it out, but we went through some photos and, um, trying to figure it out and we found a photo of his, um, I think terrible haircut that he had that <laughs> night and it was like that night that I met him was, was the 30th of May. So yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. That's so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. I don't think that that's crazy at all. I've heard a lot of people's stories that are like, not necessarily with like relationships, although I know that my grandpa was driving past um Yanko which is where my grandma lived and like they hadn't met yet mm. and he says to me that God said to him your wife's over there <laughs> and they didn't meet for another couple of months after that mm. and he said to his mates in his truck he's like my wife's over there and they all laughed at him and went like yeah you're an idiot kind of thing but she was yeah and yeah there's been like so many like yeah you don't I don't th- I don't think you sound crazy because I've Heard a lot of stories that are similar. Mm. Um, okay, so well, so you met him two days after you were twenty, which is very cool, by the way. Mm. Um, what was that process like? So you going, yeah, this is the one. Well, I had a lot of baggage from my parents' relationship that I didn't know that I had. Yeah. Um, so when I, oh, funny story, um, when I the day after I, you know, Luke and I said, all right, we're going out. Um, I made. I told my friend and she was like, oh, that's so exciting. And I was like, no, I don't know if I was embarrassed or ashamed or I just don't love the attention over those sorts of things. Um, so I was like, I suppose I better announce it to other people. And then, so I gathered all my friends in this friend, other friend's dorm room. And I was like, you've got to tell them that you have a boyfriend. And she's like, no, that's weird. <laughs> I'm like, nah, just do it. We'll see what happens. See, see what they're surprised. I was thinking I was trying to suss out what their reactions would be. So she's like, so guys, I have a boyfriend. And they're like, whoa, that's so cool. And she's like looking at me, glaring at me. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not her, it's me. And they're like, oh, and then, you know, there's Luke, Luke and yeah, all those weird things. And I, it's not a fun memory because that's so <laughs> weird. It's just weird. Um... Yeah, so we dated for a month and nine days. Um, 
I kind of bailed on the relationship because I was like, ah, too much, too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to blame it on the fact that it was long distance because we went back home to New Zealand and what. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was just immature and not ready for the relationship. Not ready to put those hard yards in. Um, but for the next ten months after that, I really wrestled with God about my relation, uh, about my parents' relationship and the impact that that had on it. Um, and I and I got to a point where, um, because I had believed the lie, like that I would end up like my parents. Yeah. And that was a really scary thing for me. And then I was just wanted to bail on the relationships. So when I re- when I realised that that was a lie that I had believed, I could cut that tie. I can go, well, no, I'm my own person. I can make my own choices. And if this is who God wants me to marry, then, then this is where I need to go. Like, why would I not walk through that door? Yeah. So a, a year later, so we started dating the first time on the 9th of November and then a year later on the 9th of November we started dating again and a, a few months before that I had it in my heart I'm like this is the guy that you're meant to marry like this is the guy this is the right one like he is so apart from just meeting when we were 20 like I knew in my heart God had put it in my heart like this is the person yeah so did you have any other confirmation other than like just that knowing in your heart um we have very similar upbringings um when we like when we compared our life journeys and the values that we have and the goals that we want to achieve like it it seemed to mesh and fit there wasn't like compromising beliefs that we had that were trying to like grind or like a square into a into a round hole like we yeah. weren't trying to force anything it just fit really well um he complimented uh, me in ways that like things that I was deficient in he had yeah things in yeah. me he looked after me I really like walking through floodwaters um only ones up to my, my you know knees Luke's like no don't walk through the floodwaters like he keeps me safe yeah he likes to have have adventures um so apart from the gut feelings I think I've had a lot of experiences with gut feelings in my life but yeah we were pretty compatible and a lot of people like had it on their hearts and we should have been together yeah 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 that's I think one of the things from that from like your story that I find so beautiful is that like you you did start the relationship and then you bailed and then you spent that time to work out the trauma of your like from your childhood and but God still had Luke for you at the end of the day Mm. I think that's so beautiful because so often we can get into something that is from God and then realize that we're not ready for this yet and so often like I know for myself I think damn it I've missed the boat again Mm. and like believing that can lead to subsequent choices and stuff that lead you further away but just knowing that if god has something for you there is also that time to heal Mm. and then that doesn't disqualify you from what he has for you i think that's so beautiful so thank you for sharing that with us so you you get back together on my son's birthday Hmm? there you go it's a good day it's a good day um but yeah you get back together was and, like, I really appreciate how you said, like, that all your values and stuff aligned as well because that's so important in relationships and something that we, I don't think that we talk about enough, especially in the church. Like, we often talk about, like, being equally yoked, but mm. we don't really go into what that, what that means and what that looks like other than, like, both people believing in Jesus. Mm. Um, but, yeah, those goals and those, like, life experiences and stuff, um, it's, like, super important. So... Yeah, man, just on that point, marriage is hard enough as it is. So even if you are a Christian but you still have very different views on particular topics, 
you've really got to got to think about that because if it's if it's a small issue now it's it's like having a grain of sand or a little stone in your shoe like you can bear it for a little while but you know 20 kilometers down the track you just want to throw the shoe and cut your foot off like you've got to you've got to really consider yeah, yeah. how compatible you are yeah i think that's another thing that like a lot of people don't understand is that marriage is really hard mm. not that i'm married but i've been in enough relationships and seen enough mm. marriages to know that marriage is really hard and it doesn't like a lot of people go into marriage thinking that like it's going to fix everything but it doesn't it shines a magnifying glass on all of the stuff that is like broken and stuff in your life mm. and so yeah yeah just like having those conversations early about like where you are at and where you want to go and stuff like that is super important yeah. um and taking any rose colored glasses you have off yeah yeah and i think also part of that is also surrounding yourself with people that you trust that know you mm. who can speak into your relationship because like us as humans we have heaps of blind spots mm. and often we look at what we want to see not what's actually there yeah speaking for myself entirely <laughs> um <laughs> hey, we all we've all been there <laughs> So, yeah, having those people to come and speak into your relationship, I think, is, like, it may be painful at the time, but it can save you a heck of a lot of pain in the future. Yeah. Um, so, I guess, how did you go... So, you guys got married a year later? Is that right? Um, or did you get engaged a year later? I feel like I should know the answer to this question. <laughs> I got married in 2016... Uh, yeah, so we dated for, uh, so we got together again in November, and then we dated all through that year, um, and then in October, he, the, the following year, he asked my dad if he could marry me, and then in December 30th, 2015, he asked if he could marry me. Yeah, cool. So, so you've just gotten married. How did you guys... When did you guys move over to Adelaide? Um, a year and a half after we got married. Okay, so how did you guys end up over here? Like, did you guys pray about that first, or, like, what was that? Um, interesting, I had a gut feeling about Adelaide after, while I was finishing my last prep, but I didn't think that it was for me, I thought it was for someone else, which actually ended up being true anyway. Um, and I don't think I ever told Dana this but when she was because we started together but because I extended my degree I graduated a year later um when she was going through her interview process I, I had a I had a gut feeling about Adelaide and she ended up going to Adelaide and I was like oh that's so cool like that is you know gut feeling god gut feeling and it happened for her um but it wasn't until a year later that I got approached by I can't remember if it was Gavin or it was David Butcher I remember having a phone call with David over um, on my way to work one day, and they were looking for a, for a chaplain, and I, and at that point I was like, oh, is it, is it is it Adelaide for me as well? <laughs> and we, earlier that year we'd had kind of an unofficial job offer to go work out at uh, Karawa, uh, the Adventist um, school out near Brewarrina. And it was, it didn't just, it just didn't feel right. It was felt very forced. I hadn't finished my teaching degree at that point. Um, I, th I think that probably would have been seven months before I got the call to come to Adelaide. 
and it just it had so many like question marks around it and it was just just yeah. didn't feel right so when um the call came from david having a conversation with david and gavin um they had a job for like a chaplain k uh, not k because we're in south australia reception to year 12 position and then they had a position for luke we're like this is this is pretty cool this is it seems like this is where god wants us to go and nothing it wasn't a hard move it wasn't forced I know, sometimes it's like it's still the right thing to do if it's a hard thing to do you just have to keep pu- pushing and persevering but it seemed like every single door was opening for us to be able to to come down here um that was at that time the rental market wasn't as crazy as now the first house we applied for we got um moving was easy driving down was easy uh, getting um all our working children checks all these sorts of things which is a good thing it was easy because that means if it wasn't easy there'd be something wrong um but yeah it it just was a it just felt right gut feeling felt right we were excited about the move um yeah and it just just happened yeah that's really cool so you've said like a few times now that like you go with like these gut feelings that you have Mm. and I can like really resonate with that because I get stuff like that too but how important well like how do you make sure that your gut feelings are God-inspired and not, oh, this would be cool? <laughs> yeah, that's a good feeling. A uh, good feeling. Good question. Um, I guess the gut feelings that I have, when I compare them with excitement and adventure and happiness, they're very different things. It's like this this deep knowledge that it's the right thing to do. Um I had a gut feeling that, oh, for example, for example, last Saturday I was walking on the beach. I'd taken off my habbies and I'd put them over to the side at Glenelg and I was walking along the beach. I was probably about 100 metres away and I had this gut feeling in my heart, go get your habbies. Like, they're, like someone's going to take them, go get them. I was like, nah, this is the beach. Like, <laughs> it's 6am at Glenelg, uh, Brighton. No one's going to come and get them. And I ignored that gut feeling, even though, like, it wasn't a feeling of excitement. It wasn't a, like, it's just this deep knowledge about something. When I came back, I was, my habits were gone. I was like, God cares about the small things. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yeah, it's this, this deep sense of knowing what is right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I've had a similar experience. I was at a Motley Crue concert, not because I actually like the band <laughs> at all, but my friend, who was a minor, really liked the band, and yeah. I was not going to let her go to a concert like that on her own. Yeah. So I went in with her. Yeah, interesting experience. Um, but while I was in there... I had this real gut feeling that I needed to go and move my car or I was going to get a spending, not or a parking fine. And I was like, I can't leave her. Like, I'm not leaving her in here. She's like enjoying the concert, whatever. And so I ignored it. And I came out and there was a fine on my car. <laughs> and yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's been like other times where like just really seemingly insignificant things. Like the other week I was going to the shops to get dog food for my dog and I just had like this instant yeah there's that that knowledge that like check the other supermarket first and mm, i did yeah. and that was it was on sale yeah um so yeah i get what you're saying like it is it's it's not like an excitement thing it's not like a, this would be cool it's a, like it's yeah it's like a knowledge yeah and i guess people who are skeptical might go well isn't that just common knowledge to take your habbies or to move your car but i think it 
like it's it's so much more than just common knowledge uh, or just like ex- prime example of your dog food like it's 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 so much more than that and i guess i don't really know how to quantify my statement about it's so much more than that but it's just it is you just it's so much more than just common knowledge it's like this feeling of a god that cares for you and has like your best interests at heart and picking up on your terrible decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's really cool in stuff like that. It just kind of shows God in a way that he's not like this big far away God. Like he cares about the seemingly really insignificant stuff mm-hmm. in our lives. Like, like for example, with like your habits, like you can get more, mm. like, but he cares about you and he cares about the little stuff too. And I think that that's really, really beautiful to like remind people that nothing is too small for God to care about. Mm. Just like nothing is too big for him, nothing mm. is too small for him either. Yeah, so I think that's really, really lovely. So, okay, I've digressed. We So you come down to Adelaide and you start working at the school. Um, what, what has been some of your highlights from working down here? Like, where have you seen God move the most? Um pretty cool in my first year baptizing um well starting out in an alpha group and having baptisms come at the end of that and it's not just it's not me being it's it's a team and a village effort to to encourage someone's on their faith journey but uh, a highlight is to be able to journey with someone and baptize them and have this unreal relationship with someone after after you've walked that journey with them and to be able to to baptize them as adults um like I've baptized my cousin as well, um, and that's really cool and a special bond that you have. But like on a on a on an adult level, to have that bond is really cool. It's like it's, I feel like it's a bit deeper than a friendship. Yeah, like it's yeah, a, yeah. yeah. Being able to play that play that pretty important role. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you had any like close connect? Like I know at school because you know I work there too. Mm. All the kids like love you. Mm. It's like you're famous. Yeah, it's only because you're a chaplain and they don't get to see you and you don't discipline them. That's why they love you. Don't tell them off. Yes, climb that thing that you're not meant to climb. Yeah, well, I think it probably goes a little bit deeper than that. I think you're really underestimating your impact that you've had on the kids at school. Um, But that is probably part of it, yeah. So, I guess, at the school itself, have you... has your chaplaincy role been as fulfilling as you thought teaching would be? Hmm, good question. Hmm, fulfilling in a different way. I think because when you you teach, you you are concerned about academic outcomes, and you get really excited when a child grows in in their their learning. Um, but it's really something that I really love that I wouldn't have got in the classroom is being able to do Bible studies with kids and having them ask questions and can see that the cogs are working in their brain. When you ask the question, when they get to ask the questions about dinosaurs, about evolution, about, well, you know, if the dinosaurs were around 20 million years ago and then, like, when you answer those questions and they go, oh, that was the reason why I was that was holding me back from believing in God more. And you can go, well, actually, it coexisted. And they're like, yes, okay, I can believe in God. Yes, I can like I can take a step forward. Those are really exciting moments when you see them grow in their faith because something has just been removed for them. Like that's a really exciting thing to see. 
they go from like a five six believing in god to like a seven eight nine and you're like god is good like he's got answers he's got answers for these kids yeah that's really cool i guess like 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 i said in the bible like the truth will set you free Mm. kind of thing it's just like yeah being able to reveal that truth to people Mm. and watching them light up like i've yeah i watching that with my dad was really really cool like Mm. just having all of his like these things that he believed about god dispelled through by the truth and just watching him change as a person was amazing to witness Mm, and you see that relief that comes yeah this makes sense and oh i'm saved by grace and it's just amazing yeah yeah interesting that you mentioned grace um so i remember you told a story a children's story at church once which actually like set off some light bulbs in my brain as to what grace was actually like do you know what story i'm talking about no idea so it was the one about like when you broke all the plates oh yes (laughs) can you tell that story for us yeah uh so i was at my dad's house and i think it was my turn to wash up and i'd washed up all the bowls and i'd started to dry up all the bowls and i turned around and i have this stack of like four or eight bowls in my hand and i don't know what happens but they all drop out of my hands onto the ground all of our bowls in the entire house smashed and i stand there and I'm not moving, partly because I have bare feet and there's glass all around me, but also partly because I'm like, oh no, my dad is going to kill me. Like, these are all of our bowls. Bowls cost money. We're going to have to replace them. And he obviously, you know, hearing the smash, comes down to the other end of the house where I am. He's like, okay, don't move. Um, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm happy to and I'm like, oh, Dad, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry for breaking all the bowls. I didn't mean to. They just came out of my hands. Um, he's like, it's okay. That's fine. They're bowls. Like, they're replaceable. Like, like we can go and buy new ones. In fact, do you want to come and help me pick new ones? Like, I, what I care about is you, and I care, and I love you. Like, bowls just are just objects. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, when you told that story um, in church, um, yeah, for me, it was I just saw, like, God so much in that story how he comes and he picks us up and he helps us and that's what grace is like it's not like this faraway thing it's him walking with us and putting us back together Mm. as we go Mm. I just thought that that was like yeah really beautiful analogy and yeah just kind of helped it to click in my head what it actually was because like we talk about grace all the time at church but not often is it like explained in a way that's like practical Mm. Mm. and not like super theological it's a very simple story but it shows that it's like yeah it's not about the my life was so much more valuable than the the small act that i that i did the breaking of the bowls my life is so much more important than these inanimate objects and that's how god sees us yeah so much more important than the sin that we do yeah yeah and i can think like yeah god also like understands that like some the behavior that we exhibit is coming from a place of brokenness that we don't know Mm. how to fix yeah. Um, and yeah, like he loves us and he wants to put us back together because that's what good parents do. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're you're in Adelaide. You've been here for a while. Um, now it's, it's sad for us, but I know that you guys are moving tomorrow. Actually. Yeah. Seeing as like these gut feelings and like listening to God has been like a massive. Th- part of what guides you in your decision making yours and Luke's decision making I assume um yeah, <laughs> yeah. I suppose <laughs> yes um 
what was it about this move that like was like yes okay this is this is the time to do this mm. yeah i feel over this this three months has been oh, is it three months? yeah three months have been a really tough one um luke and i were struggling with our decision to get vaccinated we thought that we were that's something that we weren't wasn't ugh, grammar what is the right word in here we didn't want to get vaccinated um we didn't think that it was yeah anyway could go there not gonna go there um so we ended up we were resigning ourselves to the fact that we were just gonna you know have some time off from teaching and then hopefully come back when Novavax came out um we were, yeah hoping and looking forward to that um and we had a job offer come through from actually a few job offers have come through um one from sydney working at a summer camp place came for luke and he interviewed for it and got the job um and he was considering it and he didn't think that it was the right move for for us so he declined that job and then uh, a couple of weeks later um his old workmate called him up and he said he said would you be interested in coming to to warunga and luke we weren't getting vaccinated at that point was like oh maybe we'll think about it maybe chat to the principal but we're not getting vaccinated so like don't hold your breath or anything like that um so we chatted to the principal um we loved the idea i was going to be a chaplain up at the school either high school chaplain which happens to be where i do most of my work now even though i'm across both campuses i do a lot of pastoral care in the high school and i was like see they're looking for a female chaplain they're like it's it's high school based um this is gonna be so exciting they want me to do pastoral care with the kids mostly with the girls this is what i'm doing now in new south uh, in south australia in but in new south new south wales and it'll be like more of a full-time focus and i was really excited about it um and Luke we was going to be teaching history. So we were like, okay, give us a couple of days to think about it, if that's all right. And they said, sure. And after the first 24 hours, I was like, man, as much as I would love to have that job, like, it's, I'm not getting vaccinated. And, like, there was, there was this heaviness on me about the decision not to get vaccinated and to, to not take the job. And so we turned it down after 24 hours. And the next day, so it was Tuesday, Wednesday, the whole day, I was like, that was a terrible decision. We were meant to go. That was like, I'm not following where God wants me to go. I'm making decisions based on yeah. like, what what I want. And I don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah. And I haven't felt God saying yes or no to vaccination. He hasn't given us a clear thing. And so I'm just walking in the no way. And um, yeah, and I was just like, no, nah, that was the wrong decision. I should have totally we should have taken that job I was like hey Luke maybe if we call them back now because <laughs> they had another person lined up for that job for uh for me and he was like nah you nah we'll just just stay here um and then I we ended up listening to a conversation someone was having a conversation in front of me and it wasn't about vaccinations and they were like yeah I've, I've moved to this city and I didn't want to come here and I'm not particularly enjoying my job here um, but I know this is where God wants me to be so this is where I am I'm putting putting the effort that I need to into my job even though it's not what I want and I'm like well who am I to be like bailing out of the job that God has called me to do here in South Australia just because I don't want to get vaccinated and he hasn't given me a clear yeah um out clear decision about it um so then I decided to and we we're going to stay at in Adelaide and then the, the the question came again do you want to come to Orunga and we I was like because I've been praying what if this job comes up again because I know 
this was it was a bad decision. I should have I should have gone where you wanted us to go. I'll say yes. We'll say yes. And the job came up again. Well, Luke's did. Uh, mine didn't. I was gonna just do teaching, um, which is good because I have a teaching degree anyway, yeah. and I need to do my teaching so that I can get my registration. Yeah. Um, and it, we actually still took six days to decide <laughs> where we were gonna go. Uh, awkward times. Um, but yeah, this this piece came over us like when we finally made that decision. Yep, this is where we meant to go. Um, I don't have full clarity about what I'm doing, but I'm at least teaching some. I'm teaching Bible, and now we've got some other things for me. I'm sure I'll find out on my first day at work what I'm what I'm doing. But Luke's teaching um, history, and I think that's a really good move for him because he just he's he's really tired in the work that he's doing at the moment, so he needs to have some refreshing time. And we're moving close to family, and we're moving to the bush in New South Wales with waterfalls and other fun things and just like as much as it's a moving away from South Australia is like it's pretty crushing because we love it here yeah yeah. Um, we feel like we are being called there and that's the next step for us at the moment I just I literally pray that this is where God will bring us back to because I love Adelaide and I love Prescott Southern and yeah yeah great place to be I think it's so cool just being able to be a part of your journey while you've been here because I remember there was a conversation that we had uh, like oh, a few years ago now, maybe like four, I don't know, whenever you got here. Because mm. um, I was really struggling with like friendships and like putting effort into friends. Because like, like the situation down here is that we have like, it's very migrant based. So like mm. people come down from like Newcastle, whatever, stay for a couple of years and then they go back. And I was really struggling with like putting effort into friendships just to have them like leave mm. whatever and one of the things she said to me was like no we're staying let's go calls us otherwise <laughs> <laughs> and here he is yeah <laughs> and I just think that it's like so refreshing to see someone who is so committed to going where God calls them to even though you've had struggles in that even though you question that sometimes even though sometimes you make the wrong call you always come back to like no God where do you want me to go? And I think that is really, really beautiful and really encouraging for myself, but also for the listener out there, that, like, God will guide you if you let him. Mm. And he's always talking to us. It's just whether or not we're listening. Mm. And so, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for, I guess, coming on the podcast. And thank you for having me. being a part of my life. Um, I just want to wish you guys all the best in New South Wales. Well, thank you, Layla. Um... And hopefully God will bring you back. <laughs> oh, it's my prayer. It's, uh, I love it here so much. So many amazing people. Yeah. But yeah, thanks again for being on the podcast. And yeah, thanks for testifying. Wow, guys. How epic was that? I hope you guys really, really, really enjoyed that episode. Um, uh, yeah, the conversation that I just had with Jess. Wasn't it just so beautiful to see God leading and see someone that's just so trusting in him? Um, Yeah, I hope you guys got heaps out of it. If you guys have any questions about any of the stuff that we talked about in this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, um, don't be afraid to hit us up on Instagram. Um, Just DM me, slide into the DMs. We are Let Them Testify on Instagram. So looking forward to hearing from you. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye.